in your heart you are. And some people say, you know, I had a woman come and say, my husband has been cheating on me for years. You know, and I'll go, he has, that's horrible. She goes, yeah, well, and if he looks at, 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 at you know, a movie that has a naked woman in it, or, and, or if, he, if he looks at porn, and I'm not saying that, that, that porn is, is okay, or he goes, she goes, so he's committed adultery. Well, well no, n- no, yes, but no, okay. In his heart, he has not been faithful, but he has not physically done that. But he says, you need to protect your heart. And what we put into this and to this impacts this. And out of this, this affects what we, what we think, which affects what we say and what we do. Right? Do you agree with that? Yes. Have you experienced that? I guess you haven't experienced that, okay? You agree with it, but you haven't experienced that, okay? But it's true. What we put in is going to come out. Also, inappropriate conversation is something that defiles the marriage bed, does not hold it in honor. Guys, flirting is not okay. Inappropriate conversations on Facebook with somebody is not okay. In a chat room, it's not okay. It's not okay to play around in these places that are just, it's just play. It's not real. It's not okay, because you can't expect that that isn't going to impact your heart. It's not going to impact who you are, because that's not going to satisfy very long. And so all of a sudden, there's going to be a craving for something more that you have, and you're actually going to start looking for it. And you need to hold the marriage bed in honor in that way. And you know, if you're doing a lot of these other things, eventually you're going to become a little hardened to your spouse. You're going to be, be someone who is not truly giving yourself to your spouse. And I'm just not talking about physically, but emotionally, relationally, spiritually, in a lot of different ways. We need to guard ourselves and hold the marriage bed in honor. Listen to what it says in Proverbs. If you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 5, okay? Or open them to Proverbs chapter 5, verse 15. This is an important passage. I love this passage. Uh, when I was in student ministry, I always talked about this, and we talked about purity and, and what God had planned for us. And it's just an incredible truth, not just for students, but for all of us. Proverbs 5, 15 through 19 says, Drink water from your own cistern, fresh water from your own well. Should your springs be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets? Some metaphors in here, guys, symbolism in here. Let them be yours alone and not for strangers with you. Listen to this. Let your fountain be blessed. Rejoice in the wife of your youth as a loving hind and graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times and be exhilarated always with her love. That's an incredible passage of scripture. You know what God's saying is, he goes, listen, you know, you need to not look in other places you know where you look, you know what you want to do. He goes, just don't be faithful to your, to your spouse, to your wife. He's talking about a man here. He goes, but rejoice in your wife, okay? Be, was it the wife of what? Your youth. And that means whether you're young or whether you've been together for quite some time, no matter what age you are, rejoice in the wife of your youth. Why do you think he says rejoice in the wife of your youth? Why do you think he says that? Because we were hot then, okay? All right? We were. Let's just be honest, okay? Because you liked that. Now we all begin to get older and flabbier and, and things change, okay? 
Rejoice in the wife of you. Remember your love when you were first married. Remember your passion for one another when you were first married. Rejoice in that because not only is that who she is, but she's even better now. Your love is even greater now. Your commitment is even, should be even greater now. Your, it, everything grows. It just isn't the same, is it? Is it the same? I've been married 27 and a half years. I look back and wonder if I really understood what, lo what love was during that time. As much as I could know it, I knew it. But compared to where we've come now, I was completely ignorant on truly what love was all about. And that's what hard love does. It grows the same as we do. It says we need to rejoice, be exhilarated by her love. Man, the fact that my wife loves me is, 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 is awesome. And then it says, let her breast satisfy you always. You know what he means by that? That means, let them satisfy you always, okay? <laughs> and, um, and it means that allow her to physically be that person that you are just satisfied with in your joy and that you, you give yourself to the way God intended you to and wants you to. That's what God wants. There is a love, a devotion, an emotional bond. There's a physical bond that we have with one another. Okay, Deuteronomy, one more passage here. Not one more. Okay, I'm good with time here. Deuteronomy 24.5. Deuteronomy 24.5 says this. When a man takes a new wife, I love this. I wish this law were still in effect, okay? I really do. When a man takes a new wife, he shall not go out with the army, nor be charged with any duty. He shall be free at home one year and shall give happiness to his wife whom he has taken. This is in the law. Deuteronomy is the law. Couple's brand new, just been married. God says, no military service. Don't give them any duties. You know what I really wanted them to have? A one-year honeymoon. That's what I want. You know what I want him to do that entire year? Make your wife happy. Please her. Make her happy. After that, do whatever you want. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, but uh, for, for one whole year, God says, I want you to spend your time. Now, think about why one year. I want you to spend your time learning who she is. What does please her? I'm just not talking about physically, but what does please her? Who she is, because let's be honest, but when we're dating and we're engaged, it's great. When you get married, it's great. Okay, all right, but it's also something else. Marriage is work, right? It's hard. All of a sudden, my daughter, three months after she got married, okay, she, she picked a great guy, love my son. Okay, son-in-law, he's my son. Love him, awesome guy, not perfect, awesome guy. Now, um, she called me three months after, she goes, Dad, she's crying. I'm like, what's wrong? Josh lied to me. I go, what, what about? She goes, he's not the same person he was when we were dating. He was faking it the whole time, you know? And, and it's like, he's changed. And it's like, okay. Hello, reality, I'm home, okay? And it's just, it's kind of what it is. I mean, we get hit with things. And why do you think God says, please her? Is because it's going to take a while for us to learn how to. To get to really get to know each other and who we are. When we are at our worst and we're not always trying to be our best. Right? 
It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I love marriage. All right. Now listen to this. Everything that we've read so far about sex leads, can it, can it lead to anything other than God intended it for it to be the act of marriage? Is there anything other than what we read in his word that can lead us to ever believe that it was ever intended for anything other than the act of marriage? Yes or no? You can say it out loud, yes or no. In fact, I want you to, yes or no? No. No. It's exactly what God wants. Now, why? Why? I don't know about you, when I grew up, I was always asking why. I grew up in the church, and I was like, I, I, like, I love God, but I, I want to know why. I really did. Why does God say that? Or why does God say not to do this or to do this? Why? Why? My parents didn't like it, okay? Um, but why? And so my question is, why to you? Why would God say this is only for marriage and nothing outside of that? Why? He just didn't want us to focus on sex, okay? Say it again. Mm, to protect our hearts from sin, okay, definitely. It's a part of your soul. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, protect. Did you know that when a woman engages in sex, the oxytocin, her brain releases oxytocin, okay, um, and, and that is the same chemical that is released when she breastfeeds or when she is with her husband, that, and, and that what that does is a bonding chemical. It, it, is, it is God created it so that with her husband and with her child, she would be emotionally bonded to them. Do you realize that? God created us to respond in this way so that there would be a bonding that would take place between husband and wife. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it's a covenant mm-hmm. that yeah. they make um, yeah. before God and before themselves. So that's truly, you know, um, pretty, pretty strong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. In fact, uh, back in that Matthew passage, it says, if, if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. Now, was he really saying to gouge out your eye and cut off your hand? No, he's saying, get rid of that thing that causes you to stumble. Get rid of that thing that causes you to go down that road. Um, and he says he's made us one. And if you were to break that, cut that away, I mean, that wouldn't be very pleasant, right? Yeah, it's a covenant thing. Now, I, let me just say this to you. Whenever God says, don't do this or do this, there's always two reasons why he says it. One of two things. It's always to protect us from what is harmful and to provide for us what is best. Always to protect and to provide. you guys realize that? Always. He never d- says no just because he's like, because I feel like it. It's not it. <laughs> he is I am, there's no doubt. He goes, yeah, why? I am, okay. But there's a reason why, okay. As I am, he says there's reasons why. To always protect you from what is harmful and destructive and provide for you what is, what is nourishing and growing and great. Now, 
What, um, how can, what, what would be some things that he would want to protect us from? Okay, unplanned pregnancies. Okay, guilt. Okay. Anything else? What do you want to protect us from? Broken hearts. What's that? Broken hearts. Broken hearts, yeah. Pain, hurt, emotional. Yeah. Okay, sexual challenges and diseases, yeah. You know, there are over 20 different uh, sexually transmitted diseases and many different strains of those diseases. You know, one out of five Americans have an incurable sexually transmitted disease. 55,000 people a day transmit a sexually transmitted disease. Okay, so it's kind of out there. All right, enough of that. All right, what's going on? Anything, other reason? Any other possibilities of why God would want to say no to protect us from something? What about the sustaining those bad relationships? You know, what about that chemical that's released and, and the intensity? Yeah, I, think, I think it was Josh McDowell said, there are some people who, who, who mistake the intensity of sex for the intimacy of love. It can get all confusing in there. And that's just not before you're married. It can be also when, 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 when those affairs and those things are going on. Sustaining bad relationships. And I think the greatest reason God wants, what he wants to protect is the, the relationship that we enter into as husband and wife that is close, most closely represents God's relationship with us. You guys understand that? The relationship that we have as husband and wife is the relationship that most closely represents God's relationship with us. I mean, he, he says he's our friend. He says, you know, um, he, uh, he, he calls himself a lot of things, but he also says we're like his spouse. He loves us like a spouse. He, he'll sacrifice for us like a spouse. Something, I don't know, maybe it's a little abstract, but God created man and woman for the sanctity of marriage. Mm -hmm. So why in heaven does he say, given to marriage, there will not be marriage in heaven. If, if it's such a, a beautiful, wonderful institution on earth, why is it then dismissed in heaven? So it's a really good question. Could, could, I, could I maybe answer that towards the end? Sure. Okay, that's a good question. And I think I have an okay answer for it. All right. Um, but uh, it, because it, it is. Um, let me get back to this real quick, because I want to get through this, because it's something really important I want to get to here as, as we get to the end. Um, you know, when, when God presented Eve to Adam, you know, there's always this thing, you know, man went, wow. But you know, man didn't truly understand at that first look really what he was getting. You know that? He didn't. He was turned on. He liked what he saw. He was excited about this person, but he really didn't truly understand who he was getting, what he was getting. Even though God said that she's helper, she's helper, Gives him that name. Now, that's not real popular in nowadays, right? Oh, a woman's a helper. You guys, let me just say, women, just say this to you real quick. 
There's only one other person that term helper is even used to describe in Scripture, and that's the Holy Spirit. Jesus, I must go so the helper can come. You know what God's saying? He's saying really to both of us, neither one of us can truly be complete on our own. Now, we are perfected and completed in Christ, but to truly understand God, you know, when God says he made man in his image, male and female, he he created them, do you understand, to get a perfect perspective of the image of God, you have to put man and woman together and what both bring to the picture, and there you get the image of God. The strengths of what a woman brings, the strengths of what a man brings. Together, you get the image of God. Not just man, not just woman. Together. Do you think Adam truly understood it at that time? No. No. Do you think we truly get it when we're first married? When we're dating? No. Okay, not at all. Do I think 27 and a half years later I still get it? No. All right, I don't. I wish I could say I get it completely, but I don't think we really truly will understand it until we get before God and we see him and go, oh, okay, I see what you intended. I see what you wanted completely and perfectly. Now, <laughs> there's so much I want to say, but I, I want to get to this. Let, let me ask you this question real quick in terms of intimacy, physical intimacy is one type of intimacy, correct? Easiest kind. Bodies were made for it, okay? All right, so, and it's self-explanatory, all right? So it's the simplest type of intimacy. And, 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 and the act of marriage, sex, is the closest and most intimate, you know, act that a man and woman can have, okay? Now, what are the types of intimacy are there? Emotional, Emotional intimacy, definitely. Is that it? Physical and emotional. Spiritual. Spiritual intimacy. There you go. Anything else? Psychological intimacy? Can you get psychological with one another and be, and be there? Can, can you? I'd say yeah. Intellectual intimacy? Can you become intimate in, in an intellectual way? Can you challenge one another intellectually? Move someone else intellectually? Absolutely. Is there an intimacy in that? Absolutely. Any other way? How about just relational intimacy? Being together, time. Doing things with them that you would probably not, you'd rather spend, I would rather spend time with my wife than anyone. Now, not all the time. Okay, all right. There are some times when the feelings are so intense that I don't even want to go to work. Sometimes it's really good to go to work. All right? That's just reality. Does that mean I don't love her? My love has changed for her? Absolutely not. Emotions are kind of like this, right? That's why we don't guide. Actually, your relationship can be really, really strong and good and healthy, and I don't want to spend time with you today. It's usually her to me, okay? All right? And because I've done something, okay? And so, um, I, I mean, that's just reality. Does that mean if all of a sudden you feel those things, something must be wrong? No, not always. Spiritual, relational, psychological, intellectual, emotional, physical intimacies. Okay, so do we get, number one, 
that God doesn't want affairs. Number two, God created sex and he created it for it to be a great thing to, to, to be enjoyed within the context of marriage. And there's a lot of reasons why he created it that way. You know, it would be amazing. If you think about protect and provide, just one thing. We talked about sexual transmit diseases there just a minute ago. But do you understand if from Adam and Eve until today, every single man, every single woman had decided they would never have sex with anyone other than who they were married to, that there wouldn't be a single one of the sexually transmitted diseases that we know today? AIDS would be the person that helps the teacher in elementary school, okay? Um, that's all that would be. None of that would even be present. Think about, now it doesn't mean that there wouldn't be issues in marriage, okay, because there are, but I wonder what the divorce rate would be. I'd venture to say it would be lower than 55 to 60 percent. Single mother, single parent homes, probably a lot less than what they are, because it's not the fix-all. I mean, there's still other things, but you see why God may say do it this way. So let me ask you this with some of the time we have left here. So when someone, someone has a fair, when it happens, when someone is not faithful, where do we go from there? What's the solution? Break up. Break up. Okay. Divorce. Okay. Oh, let's, let's, let's talk about that one for a second. Okay. Divorce. Um, how does God feel about divorce? Huh? He hates. He hates, how many think God hates divorce? Why do you think that? Huh? Okay. Yeah. Well, also the word says it. <laughs> okay. Malachi 2.16, I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. He says, I hate it, okay? There's a lot of reasons why he hates it, okay? We can get into all those, but we kind of talked about some of those. We want to get there. So God hates divorce. So, but is there, if someone, is someone allowed to get a divorce if adultery happens? Yes. yes, okay. Well, let's look at that real quick. Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19. And let me say, I'm, what we're going to finish with here in the next 20 minutes, we have 20 minutes left. Everything we talked about right now, everyone's going to go, yeah. Okay? Everyone's just going to say, yeah. All right? I don't think surprised anybody. We talk about, we talk about a lot of other reasons and, and a lot of other ways we can, you know, honor the marriage bed. We, we, there are a lot of reasons why God would say, don't do this or do this. I mean, we can go through all this, but what I want to talk about right now is... Probably one of the things is, is, is so crucial, okay? Because we need to be faithful. But what happens when we aren't? And, and, and according to statistics, it's close to 60%. It's over half. So what do we do now? That's the question. Now, I wish that weren't the question, right? Don't you wish that weren't the question? I wish that wasn't the question. But that is a question that we have to deal with. We have to. And God wants us to. And he wants us to understand what his desire is in that. Okay? So, Matthew 19, 3 through 6, says that some Pharisees came to him to test him. And they asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Okay, that's, <laughs> someone goes, birth to toast, divorce. Okay? I mean, any reason at all. Okay? And this is what Jesus replied. Haven't you read... He replied that the beginning, the creator may, um, made them male and female and said, for this reason, man will leave his father and mother and, and will be united to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. 
So he says, you know, I love how he answers this. Can man divorce for any reason? He goes, don't you remember what God did at the beginning? He created male and female. They came together. They become one. It'd be like cutting someone in half. That's what he's saying. So why would you do that? Why would you cut someone in half and take a part of them away? That's not what God designed. That's not what he wants. So they push a little bit further. Look at verse 7. Why then, and they think they've got him, why then, they ask, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? They thought they think they got him. And this is what he says. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. I like that. Your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for a, a marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. So he said that marital unfaithfulness is the only reason that God says that divorce can happen. But according um, to this verse, do you think that that's what he desires? Huh? He allows it. But is that what he wants? Did he say, at that point, I, hate, I stop hating divorce? No. Is that what he says? So then what do you think, if God were to have his way, and unfaithfulness took place, which is not his way, but in this situation where unfaithfulness happens, and God were to have his way, what would he want to have happen? Hmm? Forgiveness, stay together? Well, that's hard. That's really hard. That's really hard, isn't it? It's real hard. He says that divorce happens. He goes, he goes, don't do this. He goes, it wasn't that way from the beginning. And what he means is that it wasn't the way that God planned it. It's not the way that God designed it. It doesn't reflect him. If this relationship between man and woman comes closest to our relationship with God, or we choose one another, how does God deal with us when we're unfaithful? How does he deal with us when we're unfaithful? Do you have an answer? What does he do? Strike us dead? Huh? Forgives. He forgives. Now, man, what does that mean? You know, there's other options out there. When you were first married, how, how many of you are married? Raise your hand. Okay, so most of you are married here. Okay, that's good. When you, when you were married, you took some things, you said some words to each other. What were those called? Vows, vows, yeah. So, and, and those vows were, were, they were sweet, weren't they? They are were cute. They were, yeah, they had all these promises. Some of my vows, we got married, my wife and I got married, we were both 22. We were dumb. And um, not for marrying each other, but we just didn't know anything, all right? We were just in love, all right? We went to get married, and, and, and it was great. It was wonderful, and it was hard. It was incredibly hard. Harder than I ever imagined. People goes, oh, marriage is work. Oh, yeah, okay, no problem. We love each other. It was so funny, I have to tell you this. When my daughter and, and her fiancé that I was talking about earlier, or her husband, when he was her fiancé, all of a sudden my daughter says, you know, I know you guys love each other, but 
I just don't think you love each other like Josh and me. I said, you are absolutely right, okay? I don't love your mom like you love each other, okay? But in her mind, it was, we just so love each other, you know? And, and, and we just all, we just have to be around each other. And I'm thinking, three months later, you're going to call and say he lied to you, okay? And, and, that, and that's really the case. But when my wife and I got married, part of the vows that we put together, we didn't write the whole, but this part, we says, and it says, and, I, and I, I promise that there's nothing that you can do that I would not forgive and no reason why my love for you will ever cease. That, that was what I said to her. And then I, as, as a present, and she said those words to me too, as a present, I gave her a wedding gift, this, a used dictionary. That was so romantic, all right? What I did was I marked this, and in here, I, 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 I blacked out the word divorce to say it's not even in our vocabulary. We can't even look up its meaning. It's not an option for us, all right? That was so romantic, wasn't it? I got major kudos for that one, okay? So, were those just really sweet things that naive 22-year-old me was romanticizing about? Or were those real words? Were those real commitments? Were they just things that happened in a ceremony that we have to do in order to be married and, and to, to, to live life together, legally? Or were they something that really meant something? What was it? I mean, you, you don't have to answer for me, okay? I know what it was for me, but what was it for you? Was it serious? Was it something that meant something more than, hey, now we can get married and live together and, and be poor together and, and, and go off and do what we're going to do together? Well, according to God, it's something that's really important. So, this is my question. When... When an affair happens, when infidelity takes place, and if divorce is there as an option, but we, we do believe and we know that's not what God's desire is, then what is there? We say forgiveness. And we say, you know, um, you know to stay together. That is really, really, really hard. Yes? Man, if you're hurt... Can you be hurt more? Could you be hurt more? If you're the one who committed that, could you look at someone that you love and, and the regret and the pain that you know you've caused them and the pain that that causes you because you do love them and you want it to work out? And then even how you even messed yourself up because of what you did. Let's be honest, when we sin, we, we just don't impact others. We also impact ourselves, don't we? Don't we? And what did David have to, what did David say? You know, when David says, I confess my sin to you, I did, my sin I did not hide, and you forgave the, my sin? No, what do you say? The guilt of my sin. We need healing. David needed healing. Emotional healing, spiritual healing, relational healing. He needed healing. Okay, and David said, you healed me, Father. You healed me. Not like that. Okay, in fact, you look at David's life and it was 
kind of never the same in some ways. Doesn't mean it was bad. Doesn't mean it was horrible. He kind of blew it as a father in many ways. He kind of stepped back and, and, and it wasn't what he once was, but, but it's, it's healing. What does it take? What does it take for that kind of forgiveness? What does it take to want to heal? What does it take on our part, not on the other person's part, on my part? What does it take? What do you think? Yeah. God's grace, yeah. Repentance. Honesty. On both people. Hey, man, if, if the spou- your spouse did it on you, don't, does that mean it's all them? Or do I need to look at myself too? Not that I'm to blame, okay, but are there things I need to work on? Or is it just them? It could be easy to say it's just them, huh? It could be easy to be said, you're the one that did it, not me. You're the one with the problem, not me. It's harder to say, yeah, I got stuff too. What else? Humility. This isn't really taking down divorce, but my parents they were married about twenty and anyway, so they divorced and my mom died almost ten my dad was married. But anyway, they were divorced for many years. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, praise God if it, that, that, they, that they were civil and they were doing that, definitely. Oh, they were more than civil. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? And, and, and praise God that something like that can happen. But, you know, I, I, and, and, and that, that can be some, some good people can kind of do those things. But when we look at dealing with the, with the pain in the midst of things, okay, there's a couple things that, 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 that I want to I put here. Um, I think there's, there, there, there's obviously counseling, there's humility, there's forgiveness, there's grace, there's honesty. There's looking at yourself. You know, for the person who has been... Um, uh, not the victim. Let's say the victim, okay? The spouse that did not have the affair. I'll say it's an opportunity to, to choose to love this person in a new way. To choose to love someone who has done something that has betrayed you. But, but, but let's be honest. We're, we're choosing to love them the same way that we want them to love us because we've all hurt each other, haven't we? In, in marriage, okay? This is pretty big. It's very hard. It's very painful, but it's also, let me just say this, it's also understanding um, what sin is. 
It's all understanding that we've all sinned. It's also understanding that there is no sin that's greater than the other sin. Now, the effects of sin are greater. Some of the pain and consequences of sin are greater, yes? But it doesn't mean that the sin is greater. So, so if, if, if your spouse is, or if, if you have sinned or your spouse has sinned, either one is no worse than what, in God's eyes, than anything else. Now, does he hate divorce? Yes. Does he hate sin? Yes. But he really, he says sexual sin is the worst. One of the reasons, not worse, but one of the things is, is most harm, one of the things that's so harmful about it is because you sin against yourself. If you're not married, but when you are married, there's the, there's the hurt and pain you cause somebody else. That he would be, well, judge, God, God is the judge of all sin, definitely, okay? And he is, that, point blank, he, he is. Um, God is the one who judges all sin. Uh, and, and, you know, again, you know, what did, what, what did um, you know, it's interesting, and I'm going to get to this, and, and here, and I only have a couple more minutes. Let me look here, what I want to do. Let me say this, that... Um, the, the God's desire is for, is for restoration, okay, for healing, and, and, and for uh, a marriage to come back together in, within this. It really is. That's his desire. Um, and it is hard. It's huge. In fact, two, even just two people can't even do it alone. They can't. They need a whole lot of people surrounding them and loving them. And, and there's all kinds of things going, messy, messy things, but let's be honest, that's what our life is, is messy. And I, I'm just not saying this as someone's just like, oh, it's just simple. It's not. It's not simple. Not at all. Not, not even close to simple. I want to get to one more thing here. And I only have a few minutes. What do we do? What do we do with someone who has been unfaithful to someone that we love? What do we do with that? Hmm? Stone them? <laughs> Take them out. And I don't mean on a date, okay? Um, yeah, that's what we want to do, right? Eh, especially as men. Yeah, we want to. Okay, what if it's the woman who is unfaithful? Still want to stone them? Equal opportunity. Okay. Um, all right. So, so, so let me say this. You know what we need? Humility, grace, love forgiveness and understanding that our sin is not better than their sin, <laughs> is not, um, their sin is not worse than my sin. All the same things, isn't it? In fact, God goes even one step further. And, and Paul, when he was writing to the Galatians, says, um, even if a man is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, lest you too be tempted. And then it says in verse 2, bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. You know what that means? So we walk alongside them through this process. You know the beautiful about this, bear one another's burdens? Now, I don't know if I've shared this with you, but it is, it is you understand that it is a multiplicity of strength, all right? It's not, it's not like if I can lift 200 pounds over my head and, and Richard can lift 200 pounds over his head and we come together, we can lift 400 pounds over our head. You know, we could lift closer to 600 pounds over our head together. 
Our strength is multiplied, not added, when we come together. And that's true um, spiritually and relationally as well. When we come together to help bear a burden, it is even more than what we can do, the, the combined total of what we could do separately. And God says, I want you to come alongside someone. And what does it say? You who are what? Spiritual. If you call yourself spiritual, and just before this, he's talked about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things, there is no law. So if you are spiritual, if you are, have the fruit of the Spirit in your lives, and you, you see someone who is in sin, who has sin, you know what you are supposed to do? Go to them how? With gentleness. He didn't say surround the victim and, and, and hate the person who has hurt them. That's not what it says. The person who has sinned, you go to them and in gentleness restore them, helping them to come back and helping in this situation them to come back if they so choose to. Let's be honest, it's only going to work if they both want to, right? Yeah. But if they do, everything you have. Let me just say this. There was a, a while ago that there was a situation that, that I was close to where um, the woman had had an affair. And there were some very close friends of this woman's who, who really turned on her. And there was this thing that they said, they said, you blew it because there's like this unwritten women's co woman code. You don't do that to another woman. You don't do that to another woman. Do you guys know that code? Some of you were doing this. Some of the women were going, yeah, okay. I want you to understand that code. Dumb. It's not biblical. It's not biblical. We don't do that to anyone, okay. And, 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 and this unwritten code of whatever it is doesn't mean that you hate anybody in the, in the process. And, and you know when we come to that place where we want to say, I just am struggling with them, you know what that becomes? I want to say this because I've been there. That becomes my issue with God. And this is the hard part, and this is what I want to end with. It becomes my part with God that I have to deal with God about. It's not the people who are involved in this. It's my issue. And I've got to go to God and deal with this. And I want you to think about this. Listen to this. Please listen to this. If there's people in your life who have gone through this or in the midst of this, I want you to, to possibly think and possibly imagine that God has allowed you to be in this place in a relationship with them because he wants to use you in their lives in a way you never dreamed that you'd have to do, and in a way that may be harder than you ever imagined you'd have to be to someone, to actually love someone who has hurt someone that you love, to actually show grace to someone. And the only time, let me just say this honestly because I'm here, the one time that we struggle the most, the most with forgiving someone who has hurt someone we love is when we imagine that our own sin isn't as bad as their sin. Isn't that true? Well, I haven't done that. I got my stuff, but it's not that. You know what you're saying is, my stuff ain't as bad as that. But your stuff usually is quiet, huh? Not seen. It's easy to do that, right? And that's why I'm saying it comes back to you. And so God's desire is just not for the two people or maybe four people who are involved, the parties and all, everything. It is us. Wanna know why? He calls us a body, members of one another. And God has given us the opportunity to care. If one part of the body hurts, guess what? 
the whole body hurts. I was up in my attic and I was nailing down wood in the attic in, the, in kind of not really great light and it hit my, I hit my finger. It affected my entire body, okay? <laughs> it did, okay? I didn't go, oh, I think my finger hurts, okay? I'm like, yeah, yelling. God has given us an opportunity to love somebody that's difficult to love. To love somebody in the exact same way that he loves us. Romans 5.8, while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we're still in the enemy's camp, committing sin that hurts, that he hung on the cross to, 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 pay, you know, to, to pay the price for, while we're still there. He didn't say, hey, you got your, gosh, you're doing so good. Okay, I'll die. That's not him. While you're still in it, I love you and I die for you. Guys, I mean, I, there's a whole lot more I wish I could have said. And I wanted to get to the end because we have to understand that. Now, let me say this. If there's anyone in this room who's gone through this in terms of this, uh, of having an affair, been unfaithful, I want to talk to you first. And let me just say this, is that God's forgiveness is complete for you just like for every single one of us. There's nothing I have ever done that's any worse than what you've done. It's the truth. It's the truth. In fact, it says in Hebrews, it says that God forgets, not just forgives, but forgets. In fact, let me just read the passage to you. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, it says, For I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I'll remember their sins no more. He says it again in 1017. And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Does that seem fair? I'm glad it's there. I don't want him remembering mine. Okay? And we can't forget, but we can forgive, and we can receive healing. And if you're the person that, that, that has had an infidelity done to you, let me say this. You can be healed. Your relationship can be healed. That you can forgive. That your marriage can be made whole. It won't be the same, but I'm not saying it's going to be worse. It is possible. It is real. It's not a fantasy. It's not. There is hope. When God says, I give you hope, it's just not for eternity. It's hope for this life as well. This was a fun night, wasn't it? <laughs> Let me pray. God, I love you. I wish I had so much more to say, God, but that doesn't matter. I thank you for what you have to say. I thank you that you are the greatest lover of all. And I've been so unfaithful. My infidelity is amazing. And yet you forgive. You forgive me as a lover. You forgive his bride. God, I pray that you would give us the courage. You would give us the courage and the humility and the power of that humility to truly love people, no matter if they've hurt us or hurt those that we love. And that, God, you would give us the ability to forgive ourselves when we have hurt people that we love and we think back as to why and we don't know why or maybe we give excuses, but I pray, God, you'd help us to own what we've done and receive the restoration and the healing and the forgiveness and, and God, the redemption that you want to bring into our lives. 
no matter what it is. Forgive us when we think that we are just not as bad as others. Forgive us when we have a pride and arrogance that we have no right having ever, no matter how many Bible verses we know, no matter how many Bible studies we've done, no matter, Father, you know, how many years we've been in church or what the outside of my life looks like, that we just remember who we are. Man, a sinner saved by the grace of God who's become a child of God. And that's what we want for every person. Thank you for those of us who have been allowed to be placed in the relationship and the lives of those who are going through this challenge, that we can be there to help bear that burden and to love them with your love. We just thank you so much for how incredible you are and how great you are and for hard, hard things that are still so incredibly beautiful. And it's in your name we pray, amen. All right, guys, love you guys.